It's Monday, a fresh start to a new week, and we get to start it together. This is the Giving Gifts Podcast, keeping it pretty simple. Real people sharing real stories, hoping to make a difference in the world. And today is episode three, and it's an exciting one because you and I get to experience the Giving Gifts Podcast's first guest. If you know anything about me, you are not going to be surprised by who the guest is. Shanna Doa Lind, aka Doa, is joining me today for the first time, and I'm sure it will not be the last. Doa and I met at camp. He took one look at me and said, hmm, you've got a story and I want to hear it. I'm sure I gave him some snarky response, but his intentionality and his boldness surprised me over 10 years ago, and I am still daily surprised by how this man shows up every single day. Doa is one of the hardest working people I've ever met and he will always create time to wake up obnoxiously early convinced that he enjoys running and then he goes to work as a teacher with at-risk teens, comes home to love and annoy his amazing four kids and his wife of over 28 years And in his free time, he is a junior high pastor, a movie connoisseur, and an absolute music freak. I could probably spend this entire podcast talking about Doa, but I'm going to one-up that and let you experience him yourself right now. Well, good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Are you ready? We're going to jump right in. I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. So I already gave you a sweet little intro, which I think is going to be super fun for you to hear when this podcast goes live, but I did want to let you give yourself a little bit of an intro. So I have three questions for you. Okay. Okay. Yep. Who are you? If you could have the people listening know something about you, what would that be? And when it comes to relationships, what is your best advice for living a life where relationships are valued and important? Excellent. Easy questions, not. Okay. Who am I? That one, I actually have an answer for. I am the dearly beloved son of the living God, my Abba. And that's a very important answer for me because I think that's just the core of who I am. And if I could let people know some other things about me, it would be, I am human and I need to be loved just like everybody else does. That's a Smith song. If there's any Smith fans out there. Uh, Seriously though, I think uh, I grew up with a deep father wound and that shaped much of my life. But the great news is, is that God healed that wound over time and uh, the healing of that wound started for me when I had a meaningful encounter with who I believe to be the Christ at age 22. And since then, I've been on an important God journey. I think I'm most proud of my 30 years of sobriety, 28 years of marriage to one woman. And I'm also proud of my longevity in both teaching in the public school system and in youth ministry. When it comes to relationships, not that I'm by any means an expert, but two things come to mind when I uh, listen to your question. 
And I think forgiveness and grace are the two key words for me when it comes to relationships. I think uh, people are their, are the worst, really, but they're also the best, and they're what make uh, life worth living. So when they are at their worst, and they will be, including me, I think we need to forgive them and move on. I hesitate to say that because uh, without getting deep into uh, psychology and things like that, some people listening may think, oh, man, things have happened to me that are unforgivable. Uh, and I get that. But uh, to quote a very popular cliche in recovery circles, unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the other person to die. So I just don't think we can have relationships on any, any sphere without forgiveness and grace. Yeah, and I ask you about relationships because one of the giving gifts core values is relationships. And I just wanted to read you the giving gifts definition of relationships just to see how it registers with you or how it lands with you or how you see that pan out in your own life. So the definition is relationships. People are central to everything. It is in the uniting of people and their gifts that true and lasting change takes place. This must be displayed in our partnerships and workplace and environment and communities. So when you hear this value defined that way, what comes to mind for you? And how do you see this show up in your life? Or maybe even what's difficult about relationships? Yeah, uh, I love this value from the giving gifts. I think it's uh, beautiful and um I agree that relationships are central. I think the one word that jumps out to me the most is just the word uniting. When you say it is in the uniting of people. And I think uniting jumps out for me because unity is so hard. And um, when I think of that word, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the prayer that Jesus prays for his followers uh, in John 17 starting in verse 20, he prays for unity in the future for the believers. And um, I think that's just so profound because he knew unity is what we would need and what we would struggle with. Of all the things he could have prayed for, unity is difficult to come by. And I think that's true in family systems and while well, you list them in that value, partnerships, workplace, environment, communities, it's very hard. We certainly see that playing out now in this um, pandemic world with just disunity, even among friends and families. So that jumps out to me. Um, and then what's difficult about that? Well, I kind of answered that, but I think what's difficult is just that to have unity, people at some point have to lay down their own rights. And I think as a culture right now, we're... Um, what I would describe as a bit rights drunk, just like intoxicated on our own rights. And I do think rights are important. Trust me, like human rights and minority rights and uh, all kinds of civil rights are very important. But when it just comes down to me, me, me and my rights, um, it just derails disunity. So I think we should talk more about our own responsibilities than we should our rights and uh, unity will come. But that's very difficult because 
myself included, we can become very selfish. Yeah, I think there's probably so many different directions we could take this conversation. I think every single thing you've said, I'm like, I could have a 30 minute conversation just on that, especially this, this idea of rights. Um, so I'm hundred percent sure you're going to be back on this podcast, hopefully multiple times, however many times I can get you to wake up at four in the morning, uh, to be able to do this. But today I thought it would be fun to gear this conversation specifically to relationships and youth. Um, obviously youth is something you and I both are very passionate about. Um, we've gotten to hang out with junior hires and learn from junior hires for 10 years. And um, you have been working with youth in a few different capacities for over the span of what, 16 years, something like that. So um, I want, I want to kind of focus on what you've learned from your relationships with youth in regards to relationship. Yeah, that's something I never thought I would be involved in actually is youth leadership. And um, briefly, the story, how I got involved um, dates back to 2004, which is before I was serving in junior high in any capacity. Um, I volunteered a lot at church, but mostly with young kids. And in fact, at the time, I was a third grade school teacher, which I I love. Um, But I was at a party, a church party, and I was just talking too much as usual. There were some parents there who had junior hires. Um, It wasn't didn't really seem like a, a gossiping situation, but they were vocally complaining about some legit problems that were in the um specifically seventh and eighth grade ministry at the time and instead of just listening I gave my opinions and I was like well here's what should happen or the problem is this and da, da, da. Um, and I went home that night not thinking anything about it um, less than a week later our lead pastor contacted me said he wanted to get coffee and we went and got coffee and he's like so I hear you want to lead junior high ministry and I was like no I never said that so stuff had gotten back to him this wasn't like a in a reprimand type way but I said man I don't think I'm the guy to lead seventh and eighth graders uh but he challenged me to pray on it and I did and I just start feeling a stirring in my heart uh that it should be something I should attempt to do uh felt scary and exciting honestly it's the best decision I've ever made in terms of ministry or being of service to, uh, to anything or anyone, it's just been a, a blast. And yes, this January will be 17 years. Specifically, uh, I've spent the time with just seventh and eighth graders in the way that our um, junior high is laid out. And I think the number one thing that I've learned, and I know Cassidy, <laughs> since we've done it so long together, that you'd probably Uh, share this belief with me and that's that seventh and eighth graders are terribly underrated as humans I think they're uh, so fun and way more with it than people think Uh, many of the problems I think that parents over the years have attributed to like preteens and teenagers they're not really junior high problems they're just human problems and I see these 
students struggling with the same things many adults do. I think uh, something I truly believe is that seventh and eighth graders need grace and acceptance. And I know in religious circles, some people are really afraid of those words, grace and acceptance and tolerance, but I think that's what they, what they need. Uh, I'm going to quote Jesus again, like I did with the unity thing. Uh, and quote him from Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think that's what I've learned, is that junior hires really don't need the heavy yoke of transactional religion, of like, get in this club, be this, don't be this. I think many kids who grow up in church world are given that heavy yoke and it turns them off from it. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases what Jesus said there. He said, I'll give you uh, unforced rhythms of grace. And I think that's what the students crave. They, they crave relationships with people who will let them live in grace and accept them for who they are and let them just try to figure out their faith and figure out who they are as people. So two fun things I just learned about you. <laughs> out of all these years, I just connected two things. One, I just realized that I could have been in your junior high group when I was in junior high. Now that oh. would have been really fun. I wonder if I would have been one of your favorite students, probably because I was a mess. Well, I'm drawn to what some people would call feisty, <laughs> ornery students. So chances are, yeah, you would have been my number one. And then the second thing I realized was you always tell me like, oh yeah, I just, I don't, I don't want to have a big opinion about that or I'm not going to stir that. It doesn't matter much to me. And I think I realized you probably stopped having opinions vocally about things after they coerced you to lead junior high, probably for free for a while. <laughs> crazy, crazy how that works. So now you just keep your opinions quiet so that you don't have to lead anything else. It's a good strategy. <laughs> Okay, well, a big hope in creating this podcast was that through just conversation and even story, we can spur on deeper thoughts and conversations that maybe even lead to change. I'm curious if you have anything you would like to share or ask that would encourage whoever's listening to just continue this conversation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've never had a platform you know, to give the one big pitch before. I've never been a podcast guest. Um, so I thought, okay, what can I do with my time? And I realized I'm not that original. You give me a lot of credit, uh, but I don't actually think I could say things better than people have said before. So I would like to give the audience a Brenning Manning quote. Brenning Manning is my favorite author. I feel like he's changed my life. Uh, even though I've never met him, probably more than anyone, which I know is surprising. It's not Bruce Springsteen or Taylor Swift. It's Brennan Manning. He's the poster boy for grace. And I would like to read a quote from his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. If anyone has it, it's on page 22. But it's probably my favorite quote. 
and I'll tell you why I picked it. Here it goes. Here is a revelation bright as the evening star. Jesus comes for sinners, for those as outcasts as tax collectors, and for those caught up in squalid choices and failed dreams. He comes for corporate executives, street people, superstars, farmers, hookers, addicts, IRS agents, AIDS victims, and even for used car salesmen. Jesus not only talks with these people, but he dines with them, fully aware that his table fellowship with sinners will raise the eyebrows of religious bureaucrats who hold up the robes and insignia of their authority to justify their condemnation of the truth and their rejection of the gospel of grace. This passage should be reread and memorized. Every Christian generation tries to dim the blinding brightness of its meaning because the gospel seems too good to be true. We think salvation belongs to the proper and pious, to those who stand at a safe distance from the back alleys of existence, clucking their judgments at those who have been soiled by life. And when he says this passage, he's referring to Matthew 9. The reason I picked that is he lists these um, kind of shocking examples, hookers and addicts. And um, I was among that group. I was invited to the table fellowship of Jesus and very unlikely guest. And that's who Jesus is. And I think a lot of what he's describing there, Burning Manning, is happening right now in modern Christianity. And I just want to tell anyone listening to this who is skeptical of religion or Christians that uh, I don't blame you, but a true follower in the way of Jesus doesn't forget where they came from. And so they're not out there judging the so-called sinners. They realize they are one. And this is a very important concept for me because I couldn't be in the position I am now if Christ wasn't that kind of person who invited these notorious sinners to his table. So it just means the world to me. Yeah. All right. So it's time for us to wrap up. And I thought a cool way for us to do this would be to just point out the gifts that we see in one another. Um, I think often we see each other's gifts in passing and we miss these opportunities to voice that. Um, And I think that that's a lost opportunity. And so I think this might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I never really promised anyone comfort. Um, So I'm going to go first. Okay. I think, um, yeah, you have so many gifts that I could, that I could point out. Uh, I think that the gift that I come back to when I, when I listen to you speak, when I see you show up in the way that you love your family and the way that you love junior hires and the way that you love your students, it's just this gift to really see the core of who people are and to not pay so much attention to what's on the outside, but really pay attention to who a person is and be interested in that person. I think the way that you have this gift to find a way to connect with people. Like there is not a single person on this earth. I haven't seen you find a way to connect and care about. And I think that gift is so 
um, needed in this world. It's needed in your classroom. It's needed in your home. And I need it in my life. So I am so thankful for that gift. Wow. That's choking me up. Uh, humbled by it. Thank you. I have several things I want to say about you, Cassidy, and I love that we're doing this because it is called the giving gifts. And I think that's very appropriate. I think my number one thing for you is that you are a great listener. One of the best listeners I've ever come across. I envy that you, you truly are present in conversations and you pull out information from people because you're generally interested in them. And uh, the other one, this one may surprise you a little bit, but I really reflected on this. And I think you are teachable. You're a very teachable person. I've seen so much growth in you over the years. Uh, we've known each other well over 10 years. And there's been big victories in this. Sometimes I can see you fighting, but you still have leaned into growth because you're teachable. And one example in that, to get personal, is just like I've seen you uh, want to not stick around, but you did stick around and you made them wonder why you're still smiling. And that's true greatness to me. That's a little Elizabethtown quote for you because we had to get Cameron Crowe in here. But it wasn't forced because you actually did that in within community, church, ministry, families, and I'm very proud of you. And then finally, you are generous. Just like I said, you're one of the best listeners that I've ever met. You're so generous, maybe to a fault, which is a weird thing to say, honestly. It's like telling someone they have too much grace, great accusation. But I mean that just in the sense that, like, I think if you won a million dollars, probably within a week, it would all be gone and it would have spent on gifts to other people. And I think that's appropriate because you like to give gifts and we're here at the giving gifts. So thanks for being generous. Yeah. And now we can conclude this podcast because you've included an Elizabeth town quote, which is really all that I was hoping would happen. So now I feel great about this content and great about putting out in the world because uh, Elizabeth town truly makes people better. Agreed, except we're not done because you've been telling jokes on this podcast and I would like to take the reins and attempt a joke. Can I do that? Okay. Have a smile today. Listen to this joke I made. Thanks for joining me. Go and spread the joy. This isn't one where I ask you anything. It's going to be a pun. Hopefully it plays well. Here it goes. I'm a youth pastor, not a chef, but boy, are these junior hires having a hard time with the pandemic. Get it? <laughs> chef, boy, are these. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Chef, boy, are these. I know. Like I, had to explain I had to explain it because I know some young people probably have never had a can of Chef Boyardee's, but Boyardee's, <laughs> Boyardee's pun's fun. Thanks for listening to the Giving Gifts. Like, share, and subscribe. 
This show is the shit. Spread some love and joy. Know that you're a gift.